Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I'm your host, Sensei Raven Ekundayo. And we're back. So uh, this is going to be a very special episode of The Healing Space. I'm starting a new series. As you all know, we have Black, Queer, and Unapologetic, which is a series we've had from the beginning of The Healing Space. However, I'm doing a new one. And this new one is going to be called Safe Spaces. And so I felt like what was the best way to start off the Safe Spaces series than to talk about the barbershop experience. So I am honored to have three amazing brothers here with me today. Of course, you're familiar with BHW. <laughs> He's THS family. So welcome hello, hello. back again, sir. Hey, hey, good to be here. For those of you who are listening to this uh, through audio only, you can't see this awesome ass hair he has. But listen, listen. <laughs> I went and bought it. Thank you. I thought I went and bought it. It looks good. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> also, there's a brother here who you all have heard more than once on Healing Space podcast, who I'm honored to host Keep Firing with, Daryl Taylor. Welcome back to the Healing Space, bro. Thank you, my brother. Peace, family. Okay. I can't. I'm going to have to get past this camera at some point. <laughs> I'm going to have to at some point. Just raise the bar. Raise the bar. Listen, even when he was There's talking levels. just now, I was like, levels. that's my goal at the end of 2021 is have my setup look like that. It's all possible. It's all possible. And also, so this brother, he and I have been talking about him being on the healing space, I think, for over a year or more now. <laughs> at least two years. You want to talk about a brother with, right, like two years. This brother schedule is no joke, but I'm glad that he was able to, both of us were able to come together with the proper time for him to finally be on here. This is my barber and a seriously Amadamophis brother. Welcome finally to the healing space. Mike, welcome to the healing space, bro. Thank you. Appreciate y'all for having me. I really appreciate you being here, seriously. <laughs> it is. It is taking a while. <laughs> Yeah, and his man. time is his time is precious. I I, I saw a uh, a video, um, Raven, you shared in your stories, and he was cutting his own hair like in the Listen. camera. But but here's the thing: he was talking about how he had a no call, no show, and that person still had to pay that money. <laughs> so he don't play around. I'm like, oh, he'll play. He'll play. Yeah, man. Time is money. Time is money. No doubt. No, yeah. Okay, wait, wait. So the reason why, should I say Michael Andrews, Mike Andrews? Like, th that's what stopped I, me and I only ended up saying Mike because I was like, what should I be calling him? Nah, Mike mostly is? mostly family calls me Michael, but it doesn't okay. bother me either way. Like, okay. I'm, I'm cool <laughs> with it. I didn't want to say Michael Andrews and you're like, don't be doesn't so horrible. Like, what's going on? No, nah, that's... Did, did it freeze on him? Did you freeze? It or did. did it freeze on my end? Maybe it froze <laughs> yeah. on my I'm end. frozen. Frozen. No, 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 Raven, Raven was. Okay. Oh, that's not a good look at all. <laughs> not I'm the one who's freezing. Oh, yeah, it says my internet is unstable. Whoo, this <laughs> must be an off the hook uh -oh. episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so, yeah. if there's one thing I know about is technical difficulty, so do not worry about Listen. it. You know what we've been through. <laughs> It happens. Right. It happens. <laughs> it comes along with the territory when it comes to a podcast. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted to talk about the barbershop experience with all of you because I'm fairly certain we all have unique and different 
experiences when it comes to the barbershop and how it shows up as a safe space or maybe not according to who it is that you're talking to uh, but it definitely shows up differently for us as black men so the first question that i wanted to ask is why do you believe the barbershop is a safe space for men black men in particular and i'll start with the barber <laughs> why do you feel that way mike oh so from a barber's perspective yeah. uh why is the barbershop a safe space for black men uh that's a great question um as an owner it's important for for my barbershop speaking directly about my barbershop um it's important for me to have a space where people feel comfortable enough to get a haircut without feeling any kind of way mm -hmm. uh so i think in this country we already have to adjust how we present yeah. enough in so many other spaces uh within the barbershop i want it to be a space where we just feel comfortable enough to be relaxed i mean i think stereotypical barbershop i mean a more traditional barbershop there's a lot of crazy conversation going on right i think i wanted mine to be more chill i mean you've been in my shop for the last what three four years i've been cutting you so i mean the whole vibe i wanted it to be just more chill more relaxed even the music is more chill more yeah. relaxed but yeah i just think it's important for us to have a space where we can just kind of relax man like there's not a lot of spaces for that for black men absolutely. in my opinion uh so yeah absolutely i feel that um bhw what about you um i you mean like i don't know i guess historically it is like it is that safe space because i think someone what mike was saying though it's, you can come there you can talk shit, you can be very open and very free in a way that there's not judgment that's not necessarily saying the conversations are productive or not you know harmful to others but i think that for the typical um heterosexual black man that it is very much so like this is the place where i can be authentically myself mm -hmm. these are my my brothers this is my family my community in a way that i don't know if there is another public space that honors that in that way mm -hmm. um and not to say that the place can't be without it again it's problems but i think that that is the place where most black men feel the safest maybe outside of home yeah what about you daryl um and it was funny because i was about to say one thing which is still relevant but after you know mike spoke i'm like well yeah i gotta think about that part as well because he started by saying that you know he's an owner mm -hmm. and that's one thing that's unique as well it's a space that's typically owned by black men you yeah. know most of the barbershops mm -hmm. i've gone to in the past um have been owned by black men yeah so it's a space literally, you know, owned by black men for black men, where you have black men performing a service mm -hmm. for other black men, a service of care. And that's a very unique environment. When you think of mm -hmm. like team sports and stuff like that, oftentimes the coach may be white or the league may be, you know, yeah. white dominated. But this is uniquely a space that's owned by black men and that's designed for black men. So I think that's one of the main things that makes it pretty special. I think that's really important that you and yeah. even when Mike said what he said starting off about being an owner I don't even think that it would have dawned on me to think from think of it from the perspective that you just said uh because that's very important that it's owned by us you know for yeah. by us <laughs> yeah because because when you think of other spaces that we may occupy we may only occupy a portion of it yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so if it's an office environment maybe we'll gather around the water cooler real quick. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like, we may try to steal away a particular moment or space, but it's not really ours. But when you go into the barbershop, you know, especially back in the day, you would see that poster of all the different haircut styles <laughs> and stuff like that. Like you see yourself, 
you yeah, know, and you see yourself in the person that's, you know, that's working with you. So, and even yeah, from my perspective, to continue what you were saying, Daryl, like um, when I see clients walk into the barbershop, I don't know, being owned by a black man, you can feel that they walk in as if they own it. You know, it's mm -hmm. they're walking in excited to get a haircut. Right. But I can't think of too many other spaces where we walk in just more comfortable, more relaxed. Like you're, you're truly the boss as a black man in the barbershop. You sit down, right. we serve you how you right. want it. So. Yeah, I can't think of too many other spaces, man. Maybe in right. Atlanta. Atlanta's probably yeah. unique where there are more. But yeah, black barbershops are key yeah. for us to be able to mm -hmm. relax and chill. I would um I would definitely have to say that that's been one of the coolest experiences for me, uh, which I'll get to in a little bit as far as the uh the the evolution. But I know for me it's been cool, Mike, watching you in your journey to become an owner of your own space, you know? And seeing yeah. like when I was first introduced to you. I wasn't even getting haircuts at the first place where I met you at, where Elliot introduced me uh, to you. That was B Buckhead or something, right? Yeah, Buckhead, Lindbergh. And so it's like, I've seen you in three different places. And so to you know have conversations with you as you were going through the process of getting your own space and preparing for it to open and everything, as a black man seeing another black man live his dream, like that's a wonderful mm -hmm. thing, especially when it's a space and knowing the kind of person that you are, seeing you finally have your own and creating a space that you wanted it to be. That's inspirational. Um, and also going into what it was that BAW pretty much said exactly what my answer was going to be. Um, almost verbatim, exactly how I feel when it comes to, uh, to, to it being a safe space. Um, and I'll get into it a little bit later as far as how it looks for a queer person as compared to a cishet, um, cishet person. But yeah, pretty much exactly what you said, BHW. So no reason to reiterate it. <laughs> I can't, um, really quick though, to interject as well. I think Mike, he said something about us walking in with a sense of ownership as the customer kind of made me think of as well. There's a level of, I think, comfort that we have with it being black owned was like, it's our appearance. So I think that we know not everybody mm -hmm. cuts hair the same way. <laughs> so yeah. it's like you go into a black barbershop or black owned black barbers, whatever, you feel a bit more like, okay, I can look out of here. I can walk out of here and look, okay. Like I don't have to keep this hat on for two more weeks. Like I can be, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I think that helps ease you into the situation or into the moment or, or the space. Well, I, I feel like what I'm about to say kind of goes into my next question. So I'll start off with this next one. Um, the question is, what has your experience been like in the barbershop? Has it evolved? Has it devolved? Has there been uh, no significant change at all? Um, so I wanted to say this first because, you know, just kind of light and funny. Something I didn't even think about was the, uh, the relationship that a person builds with their barber and how that looks when you're thinking of going someplace else. Or even in an instance where, <laughs> like, let's say there's a new barber who comes in and like, okay, so Mike, Mike had sometimes where he wasn't there. So he trusted one particular person to always um, uh, line up my beard for me when he wasn't there. So now me, I'm, I'm Scorpio, loyal always. So I'm always going to be with Mike. But let's say you're somebody who isn't that way. And when you get the lineup or haircut from somebody else, then you're like, ooh, I'm kind of feeling them. People don't get, like, that's a major thing for you to not want to break that relationship with your barber, you feel me? Yeah. So it's like a lot of people on the outside don't really get that. I don't know if any of y'all have ever, you know, experienced that or know what that's like. Like, that's traumatic for people because you don't want to, especially <laughs> if you're still in the same barbershop, like you don't want to mess that relationship up, you feel me? Yeah. So I think that that's interesting. But for me, um, 
I've experienced uh, a huge evolution when it comes to me going to barbershops. Um, I've talked with uh, Mike about this. I've also gone into a deep conversation with Daryl about this because Daryl and I found out that we actually used to go to the same barbershop when we were younger and didn't even know it back in uh, Baltimore. But for me, as a, uh, as a queer black man, it's evolved because it never felt like a safe space for me when I was younger. When I was younger, I was in a barbershop like the one that Daryl and I both went to where I, the slightest thing, you know, the slightest thing I could have done, they would have noticed and I would have been shamed for being gay. Now, mind you, I could be completely wrong, but that's the energy they gave off. It felt very misogynistic in there, you know, felt very homophobic, like I wasn't comfortable. I was, I only felt safe because my barber was a woman and she took me in like I was a, a child of hers, you know? So I felt very safe in there. Uh, the barbershop, my very first job was in the barbershop, sweeping and everything. In that barbershop, I always felt comfortable being myself. However, <laughs> these grown ass men, like the kind of stuff that they would talk about and watch after the barbershop was closed, I was introduced <laughs> to porn in a barbershop. Like, <laughs> these grown men watching porn after the doors are locked and everything and just drinking and joking with each other. I was like, what? <laughs> so to finally get to a space like right before I left Baltimore, I had a barber that was very, you know, everyone's welcome. Everything's all good. Doesn't matter who you are, it's about your money. That's the only thing that matters. Um, however, they were inconsistent. So it kind of, you know, the end of my barbershop experience in Baltimore was like, damn, can I just get a good barber? The entire time I've been in Atlanta, the only barber I've had is Mike. And what I've loved so much about what you've created, Mike, is that it is a barbershop where queer people don't have to feel scared to be themselves, you know? It's, it, you don't have, if you're somebody who is about respect for women, you will never see any barber in Mike's barbershop disrespecting women. Like it, it, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an anomaly? Like whenever I talk to people about Mike's barbershop, they're like, that can't really exist, especially queer men. Like they're like, that can't be a barbershop yeah. that actually exists where we don't have to feel like we have to hide who we are. Not at all. Not, I mean, even today, like in, in conversing, there was a point, Mike can tell you, where my goal was to have somebody in every barber's chair in there. That was my goal. I was gonna go out and tell everybody, you need to be in that barbershop. Just because I wanted them to experience what I had an opportunity to experience, because I didn't think it would ever be possible. So it's definitely been an evolution of the barbershop experience for me. What about you, Daryl? Um, for me, I think it's slightly different. Um, and, and and I don't mean just from a, a queer and, and cishet perspective. I mean, just genuinely or generally what I would be looking for in, in the space of a barbershop, because I grew up, I grew up around lots of guys, you yeah. know, so having a space with guys just wasn't something that was unfamiliar to me. Um, and it wasn't something that was like out of the ordinary. So I have an older brother, but he's only two years older than actually less than two years. Um, and we have um, cousins that we were raised around just like we were brothers, some slightly older, um, some slightly younger, but we were all raised together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I would go to the barbershop, it wasn't like a finally, you know, here is my space. It's like, I already had that space. Like every weekend I would be at my grandmother's house around all of my cousins. Mm -hmm. So when I would go to the barbershop, it would genuinely just be to get a haircut. Mm -hmm. And so, especially with the barbershop that we went to Raven, you know, the guys were, were much older, mm -hmm. you know? And so that was the barbershop that I would go to most of the time when I was like, you know, 
very young elementary school, part of, you know, middle school. But every now and then when my father would take me to the barbershop, he would take me to a different shop, um, actually near where your mother lives, around Walbrook Junction. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that barbershop had, you know, some younger barbers in there. So the vibe was slightly different. Um, but for the most part, you know, when I would go to the shop, it would be just older guys and then the one woman, you know. So it wasn't ever a space from when I was a young age where it was like, oh, finally, I feel comfortable. So I never really looked at it as that. It was just a space that I would go to for a couple hours on a Saturday and wait to get my hair cut, you know. So I didn't really have that strong connection. Now, the one thing that I will say, and it's a story that I tell often, is that the best piece of advice that I received as a child came from a barber. Now, this was a different barbershop. This was the barbershop that was that sat on uh, Hilton Street, mm-hmm. not too far from the barbershop that we went to, Raven. And so um, I had a lot of issues with my father. Everyone knows this by now. And um, I went into this barbershop and because of who I am, I was wearing it on my face that mm-hmm. something was wrong. So I sat down in this barber's chair and he said, hey, you know, what's going on? It seems like something's wrong. And I started to tell him like, hey, you know, I'm going through some things with my dad. And so he said, well, remember this, you know, never forget it as hate what he does, but don't hate him. And that was like a very intimate, you know, moment where it's like, I'm in the chair of this barber, he's taking care of me. And then at the same time, he noticed that something was going on with me and gave me a piece of advice that stuck with me for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. you know? So certain moments like that can happen and have happened over the course of time, but it's never been a space for me where I was just like looking for it to be like the be all end all, you know what I mean? Thank you for That's that. That's a powerful story. Yeah, very much. Um, what about you, BHW? Um, I think for me, mine is a bit different as well, because like, I didn't grow up going to the barbershop. My dad cut my hair mm-hmm. up until mostly till I like graduated high school, honestly. <laughs> um, I, w- I went to the barbershop maybe a couple other times. We just so happened to like, so my family was originally from Illinois. We moved to Alabama, so maybe we would go to Illinois for something, a family event, or where my hair needed to be cut or something. So I might go to the barbershop, but even that was like a friend of his um, who owned the shop. Yeah. So it never was until I maybe like went off to college or like started living on my own that I would go. But even then, I still typically don't go often. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is the still the maybe the uncomfortableness. There was that at least before, like, will they perceive anything, like anything I might do, whatever. I don't have that too much anymore now. Right. But now I also don't feel the connection to it in the same way like i definitely respect and honor the tradition i think it's it's great for people who do have that but i think for me because i'm so far removed Mm -hmm. from not having growing up in that it's like okay i'm just gonna get my cut and i'm leaving like it's not even right (laughs) (laughs) you know just line me up okay thanks like i'll see you next time cool so i don't i don't know i like i honor them from a distance if that makes any sense but see, I, I appreciate stories. Before we get to Mike, I appreciate stories like yours and Daryl's because until Daryl and I had the conversation that we had kind of leading up to this, I it never really dawned on me how many of us don't have that relationship to the barbershop, you know? Because mine has been so deep. And I mean, so many people who I've talked to have also had those same deep experiences. It's never dawned on me. Like it's always been the black, black men in the barbershop. I've never mm-hmm. really known, you know, I didn't really go to the barbershop a lot or even though like Daryl knows I went 10 years shaving my own head, shaving my own self up. So I went through a period where I wasn't going in there anymore. But, mm-hmm. you know, from what I had all the way up until 14 years old and then, you know, the years um, since I've been in Atlanta, 
this is what I've known, you know? And it was like, when once I started at the barbershop again, it felt like that, like I had never really yeah. left, so. But yeah, Mike, um, as far as you, not just being an owner, but like you, like growing up over the years, like how has it uh, evolved or devolved for you? Uh, for me, um, kind of similar to BHW, I grew up my dad cutting my hair. So he's, I tell, I joke with him all the time. He's actually the reason why I'm a barber because he used to jack me up so bad. I decided to, <laughs> decided to pick up a pair of clippers myself. Like, all right, let me see if I could do something different. <laughs> so since middle school, I've been cutting my own hair and it just grew into me cutting my friends. And it, it wasn't until I moved to Atlanta in 2008, um, recession hit then. And I started going to barber school just to supplement my income. Yeah. It wasn't until then where I actually decided that it can be a, at least a part-time supplement to my income. So um, I grew up very much like y'all, like um, a similar experience from a client's perspective. A lot of barbers kind of come up in the barbershop environment. Like you were saying, a Raven, like they started off as sweepers yeah. and they were in the barbershop so much that they learned how to cut hair. And next thing you know, they're they're cutting without a license. And then <laughs> 10 years later, they got a clientele and they making some decent money. So that wasn't my experience, you know, I was, going the corporate route, I guess. And right. it wasn't until my world got shaken a little bit that kind of showed me that, okay, this might be something I can actually pursue as a, a full-time profession. Yeah. Um, but just to speak to your story, Raven, which you were saying about how um, it was an uncomfortable uh, environment for you. And it was uh, a female barber that was servicing you that helped you be more comfortable in the shop. Mm -hmm. For me, it's as an owner, it was important for me to have a space um, that it just didn't matter. Like, I, I guess that's the way, easiest way I can put it is that what BHW was saying, it was about the cut. So if my job as an owner was to create a business where I can be successful as an owner, so the business could be successful, right. let's focus on the cut, period. So yeah. somebody getting offended, whether they're gay, straight, uh, got cowboy, it doesn't matter. Like I just wanted a space where people can come get their haircut because that's what right. we do first. And I think a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, I would say the majority of the time, uh, black barbershops lack that respect as as a business because it's it's oftentimes not the focus. Yeah. And I think service being the focus is where we can kind of evolve and make it into something that's special. And the culture is important. Yeah. And I appreciate what you were saying, Raven, about being so comfortable in my shop because it's a reflection of me. I, I'm the owner. So yeah. um, I'm actually in the middle of taking this course. And uh, when you were talking, I, I looked at my notes and uh, uh, one of the things that the speaker was saying that the, co the culture of an organization is shaped by the worst behavior the leader is willing to tolerate yeah and that hit me like that's exactly what i see as my responsibility as leader of the shop so yeah it's all about the culture yeah with um with 10 minutes left i wanted to say is one of the things that i appreciate being in your barbershop is that a lot of people assume that you know with it being a safe space for black men there are a lot of taboo topics quote unquote taboo that people feel like they have to be able to talk about, you know, like religion, politics, all of those kinds of things. I'm not taking into consideration who it could offend. So what I appreciate about your barbershop is that your barbershop shows that you can have dialogue and conversation that doesn't have to be any of those things and you can still enjoy yourself. Like we trip in your barbershop, you know, genuinely <laughs> laugh and have fun with each other. Yeah. And it's like, you can enjoy yourself. Like you said, doesn't matter the color, doesn't matter your, your gender, doesn't matter your sexuality, none of that. Like we can just have fun. And that, that's yeah. what was such a breath of fresh air for me is that I just want for men to know and you know, women, of course, because we gotta have to take into consideration that, you know, if you're going to the barbershop, it doesn't mean that you're just a cis hat 
or um or queer black man you know um but right. if you're going into that space there are, there are ways that you can enjoy yourself without it having to be something that is going to uh rub somebody the wrong way and you not care you know um it's the different thing like you were saying if we have conversations where our intention isn't to hurt someone's feelings and if it does we can go from there with the apologies and all that stuff but if you're having conversations where you know there's a good chance a good majority of your clientele is going to be offended then it's like why even go in that direction you know Facts. um yep so okay uh really quickly with us only having what is it nine minutes left let me see which of these questions <laughs> i want to ask about this clock <laughs> right? we have, <laughs> we have get... so much more to cover i'm glad that we're going to be talking about it on key fire listen, it's like listen. we're only scratching the surface right now because i was about sure. to chime in and ask a question but i had to take my host hat off and i'm like i'm not the host i'm not the host i can't do this <laughs> but we will we will well, i'm guessing right now is the best time to say it because this conversation is all that's gonna like this is very much like black print unapologetic meaning this conversation is the only thing there won't be all my other segments so this is the perfect time to let everybody know that this is part one of the barbershop conversation if you want part two make sure that you listen to myself along with uh quentin and daryl on keep firing that's going to be part two of the conversation um you want to tell everybody where they can get it yeah so um yeah keep firing <laughs> is available on um on all platforms spotify um, Apple, Google, and all the other podcast hubs. And we also post to our uh, Facebook and YouTube on social media. You can find us at Just Keep Firing on uh, all social media platforms, mostly Instagram and Facebook. I'm not a big Twitter person. <laughs> um, so you can find it um, there. Okay. So, um, wildest barbershop experience. Do you all have any? Because I figure I should just go ahead. Right. The look on BHW's face, I was like, I want to say person by person, but I don't know if any of you even had it before. So. <laughs> um, no, no, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is a fight that happened. Um, and this was just maybe about three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. So I myself, I don't really go to the barbershop for myself anymore. You know, of course you're looking at this, you know, <laughs> but, I, but I, I trim my own mustache and beard and I do the best that I can. So I don't really go to the barbershop as much. Yeah. But when I do go, it's to take my son. And so, um, yeah, a fight broke out. So there was someone at the barbershop, a barber, I think that was messing with somebody else's girl or whatever guy came to the shop and uh yeah it it, it, it went down <laughs> so wow. and it's like and that was one of those experiences it's like yeah this is one of those this is why i have to be selective about you know what barbershop i go to because I, I have a family now and right. it just so happened that it wasn't just me and my son it was actually myself my wife my daughter and my son that day right. and they you know are subject to a fight oh you did tell me this story i remember that yeah okay. yeah so um so that's the first one that comes to mind i'm sure that there are more but this is like <laughs> recently this was in recent years right um, BHW, were you going to say something? I don't think I have one. I can't oh. think of one. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mike? And I got plenty, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's been seen fights, of course. Uh, on a more comical side, uh, this was back in Buckhead when you were, uh, you said that you were going to that shop. No, Elliot Raven. was going. I had just moved there, and that was when he introduced me to you. I hadn't had a barber yet. Okay, got you, got you. So um, the barber that cuts next to me, uh, older guy, oh, we called him old school because he was just players, I don't know what, full of advice that really didn't make any sense. Like just <laughs> just that typical barber that you would see, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, he was cutting this guy's hair and the guy had locks. Um, 
I think he was Rastafarian. Mm-hmm. Well, matter of fact, I'm I'm sure of it now. So he's cutting his hair and um, he's trimming the back of his neck and he's being real careless and ends up cutting one of his locks off this man's head. What? Now, y'all know, I can see the look on y'all faces. Y'all already know that this is <laughs> a no-go. Like, this is something that cannot happen. So I'm sitting there, I'm just frozen. Like, <laughs> And the barber, old school, he knows he was wrong. So he literally just casually swept that lock underneath his cutting mat and just continued to work like nothing happened. <laughs> Showed wow. this man the mirror and everything else. And then that was it. The guy got up and left and had no idea <laughs> that he was one lock. <laughs> wow. He was missing one lock. But yeah, that, that was more the funniest side, his face. I cannot. <laughs> like, crazy. Wow. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like sitting here, like how long did it take the guy to notice once he got home? Right. <laughs> like, as soon as he went to a pull it up, he was like, wait, what's... Right, listen. <laughs> Something gotta be missing. <laughs> Cause, Cause I'm sitting here thinking about extra how many on the left side of my I head. head when I was younger. I'm like, I had a lot of hair. So would I have even noticed if there was one underneath that was missing because I had so many? I don't know. But oh, she um, said that the guy was roster, right? So his was probably thicker like right thicker. they were really yeah. really thick really thick yeah. really long i don't yeah. know how he got away with it right. it wasn't right. i'm like, gonna get involved like the very at the very bottom though you i feel like that's noticeable at some point right yeah. <laughs> i well, wish i had a part two of that story i wish i knew right. <laughs> he came back <laughs> um well for me my wildest experience is going back to what i told you guys earlier as far as what the barbershop where i uh used to sweep that whole porn thing really blew my mind because I didn't like, again, I was 14 years old and I was confused because of course, again, I had known for many years that I was queer by the age of 14. So I'm attempting to navigate in these spaces with all of these grown black cishet men. So they would close the door, you know, like I said, drink, play cards, all that stuff. But then they would turn on porn and I would be confused because I'm like, but y'all aren't gay. So why are all of you grown men with no women? I, yeah, I don't under, I don't understand that. I've, I've I've never you know I've never watched porn as a group activity. That's just right. not. Um, I've yeah I don't I'm I'm having a hard time with that. It made, it made no sense. It made my mother is still really good friends with the guy who's the owner. So I I swear I want to ask her like can you tell him call me or something because I need to ask him a question that I've been confused about for years. And they just watch it and continue like playing cards and just comment on it and keep like yes. like everything is Yeah. Yeah. Like they were just <laughs> playing cards, drinking, laughing, watching porn and commenting on it. And I'm like, this is this is a thing? Like I don't None of you feel awkward. So, so I can say I've, I've never been not in the shop. It wasn't like that where it was just a casual part of the background. There was a time where we were talking about a particular porn star mm-hmm. where she was capable right. of. Yeah. We pulled that yeah, up. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. she was going in. But yeah, yeah. yeah not a it wasn't like a game. Like, we turned on the game, watch the football game, but it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It was very much like watching a football game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um. So yeah. So a question that I always ask everybody, uh, which BHW and Daryl have answered before. So this is going directly to you, Mike. So All when right, you let's think go. about healing. What does self-healing, self-care on a daily basis look like for you? What does self-healing and self-care look like? Uh, Meditation, um, journaling, 
for sure. Uh, exercise, but I need to get back on that because I'm slacking. Listen, can't blame my can't blame my kids anymore because they sleep at night now. So that's just something <laughs> that's on me. But yeah, I, I would say that like making time for for journaling, getting you know the the cloudiness out of my head. Sometimes as an entrepreneur, I got a lot of things going on and can have monkey brains. So yeah, just journaling and meditation. That's what healing for me, I guess, would mean. Misfit Universe, I really hope that you all enjoyed that conversation. But as Daryl said, there's a lot more for us to discuss. So please make sure that you are checking out part two of our conversation about the barbershop taking place at the end of the month on Keep Firing. So if you want to walk with everyone who was on this episode of THS Podcast, first would be Mike Andrews, which thank you again to my barber for being on this show. Again, we've been attempting to get this together for a while now, uh, so I'm definitely glad that he was here. Uh, if you want to be able to walk with him and you live in another city, that's great. Uh, if you are someone who's here in Atlanta, love the conversation, love what he had to say, and you're interested in checking out his barbershop, you can find him and walk with him at I ideal underscore barber. So that's I-D-E-A-L underscore B-A-R-B-E-R. If you want to see not only him, but his other barbers at Ideal Barber, that way, excuse me, at Ideal Barber Shop, that will be Ideal underscore Barber Shop. So he is Ideal Barber, and then his uh, actual barbershop is on IG at Ideal underscore Barbershop. So that's Mike. Uh, if you'd like to walk with um, BHW, of course you all already know, that is Just Call Me Otis all over social media. Just Call Me Otis. And for Daryl, if you want to actually listen to full episodes of Keep Firing, it's on all major part podcast platforms. His website is dtaylorimages.com, where you can not only find his photography, but also the Keep Firing podcast as well. And Keep Firing on Instagram would be just keep firing. So yeah, if you want to walk with the healing space, you already know how that goes. THS Podcast on Instagram and Facebook underscore THS podcast on Twitter. For me, that would be Scorpiogi across all platforms. Scorpiogi.com for me and we are TLM for the Healing Space podcast. The podcast is on all major uh, podcast platforms. And that's it. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I'm going to enjoy this safe space series. If you all have any suggestions for what we should do uh, for the next safe space, it'll be greatly appreciated. As well as if you want to contribute to what our new segment called The Couch, please make sure that you email me at ths at revolutionmultimedia.com. Until next time, Misfits. I love you all so much. Namaste. Namaste.